I just slipped through an exam, and you're listening to a Radio 1 91 FM podcast. Go and check out Amanda Palmer. Not many international acts coming through Utiputi these days. I wonder why, but Amanda Palmer stuck in Havelock North. Um, so why not come down to Otipote while she's in the country? Dresden Dolls, a fan of your your, your fan Olivier Jutel? Kia ora, Jamie. Uh, all I know is Amanda Palmer got a divorce. I don't I don't know who this person is, but they have a big Patreon and yeah, um, huge Patreon. Yeah, like massive amounts of cash can just float around do whatever she wants. Like stay in Havelock North during a pandemic. Live the American bolt hole dream. That's right. That's right. NZ. You talk. You hear about it a lot. Queenstown yeah. bolt holes, Wanaka bolt holes, they're all coming over. They've got under, underground bunkers. It's know. its kind of a dreary, uh, or sorry, it's obviously, you know, we've talked about this a lot, but this idea that we're sort of like the last sort of haven, <laughs> this blessed fair land, an Arcadia, not quite of this world. Um, and, of course, we've got the same material, political challenges and problems of any other place. And so as a... You know, I spent a lot of time talking trash on America, uh, and then I guess I've got to also then tell my American relatives, like, oh no, New Zealand, uh, terrible OECD, poverty, homelessness, mm, mm, mm. et cetera, et cetera. Anyway. Anyway, we had to talk about America. <laughs> America. Uh, what the, is to be done? The election, of course, is next week. Uh, yeah. How, how do you want to do this? Do we do, we do the kind of like um, sports ball kind of pol- political Let's horse race stuff? Going. And then, and then we kind of do the more kind of uh, taking the perspective of, of the universe and uh, where we are in we, this sort of We like just go wherever we go. All right, Shane. Well, so I'm in your hands. First I'm Tuesday hands. of every November, or every, for every four years you have an election, um, one establishment candidate, one apparent anti-establishment candidate, but very much surrounded and indebted to the establishment. It's amazing how the the flesh is rotting off the bones of the establishment on all sides. I can't think of a better... I mean, last time it was about choosing between two of the least hated presidential candidates. The two... Sorry. Two of the most hated Mm. candidates of all time. Or the most hated. Why can't I get these words out? Now we are choosing between which kind of elderly uh, kind of fantasy... Um, in these kind of dying days of the empire will, will, are going to take you out. The kind of fire and fury screaming of, of Trump or the like, hey, man, you know, I like yeah. ice cream. Yeah. You know, yeah. like and yeah. um, and and we've also seen around the, the, the confirmation of the latest Supreme Court justice, um, uh, a kind of neophyte hatched in a right wing uh, kind of judicial incubator, the Federalist Society, who's going to be on the bench for 40 years and and aggressively uh, rolling back the federal government's ability to tax, to provide anything for anybody. Um, but we saw the, in these proceedings, you know, the 87-year-old head of the Judiciary Committee, Diane Feinstein, um, just offer no resistance. We saw mm. Mitch McConnell, who literally was oh, it's bloated. Well, I don't know if you saw the images of Mitch McConnell. He came out uh, about 10 days ago to announce there would be no stimulus, no federal kind of rescue package in this kind of pandemic crisis of of joblessness, of home foreclosures and evictions. And he was literally had his hands were rotting. Mm. His, his hands were oh, yeah, yeah, black. Yeah, yeah, yeah covered in sores he was puffy he looked like a science fiction creature kind of in suspended uh, animation not quite alive not quite dead and and these are the people that are uh going to kind of what 
prevent anything from changing at the heart of, of the empire as it as it rots from inside. So there we go. Well, this is you know the Supreme Court justice thing. That that's McConnell's great revenge. You know when he when the Democrats during the Reagan administration I think tried to push. Uh, well, blocked him from appointing one that he wanted through uh, through Reagan, and he you know he, he he stewed on that for years, and he said, "Oh, I have a great revenge." And then came uh, Obama trying to push, you know, wanting to appoint one uh, at the end of his Gorsuch. last term. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that was excuse blo- me, not Gorsuch, Merrick Garland. Gorsuch and, is the guy that Trump appointed. And that me. was and, and that was you know, and McConnell blocked that. You know, he used what he could, and now he's been able to do this, which is the complete opposite of what he said last time. But that's only because he's been stewing on this for 30, 40 years. Well. I think the personal aspect of that, it might be a factor, but he also is, uh, I mean, Alex Perrine wrote a great article about this. He's one of the most effective politicians Mm. in the modern era. Nothing defines the modern political era like Mitch McConnell came in uh, expressly with the job to stop Barack Obama from doing anything. Uh, Obama also wanted to be stopped from doing anything, but um, there's there's this idea um, that is embodied in the kind of Joe Biden Democrat that, oh, they did this last time, but they're going to look into their heart. You know, this is, this is like Bernie Bombom at the end of Miller's Cross, like, look into your heart. And then Gabriel Byrne, in this case, played by Mitch McConnell, bang, bang, I have no heart. Yeah, yeah, or yeah, what yeah. heart, right? And, and this, or it's, it's Lucy and Charlie Brown with the football. Keeps happening, keeps happening. And so, like, there's, a, there's just a, a belief, this fetishistic belief that in the 11th hour, the Republicans will find some sense of decency, of, of, of fairness, or whatever it is. And, of course, Mitch McConnell understands his job is to cynically exploit kind of any opportunity, any opening. Now, we see that the, the, the latest uh, Supreme Court is going to take her seat. And uh, a lot of kind of Democrats fatalistically say, well, there's nothing they could have done. Well, there's nothing they tried. They didn't try any parliamentary kind of procedures to slow it up, to gum up the works, to then kind of put this out in the political realm to buy time for then social forces to, I don't know, do something. Because they they, they have a hatred of this idea that, um, that social forces or their base should be included or empowered in any way by what their representatives do. They, and that's why at the end of the, the whole proceedings, Dianne Feinstein gave a big smoochy hug to Lindsey Graham with no mask on, just praising how wonderful this process was. And this is a very interesting point, is that the Democrats uh, and centrists will say, look, you know, just shut up, hold your nose and vote, um, but we protect the Supreme Court. Like, yeah. that's like their, like, bottom line, and they've shown just how feckless they are on, on their supposed bottom line. So... What does that do to the party going forward to, to the extent that it's a party that has any kind of responsiveness to its constituents? Um, and uh, and, and the, the, the real scary thing here, and maybe we can segue into the election, is that to the extent that the Republicans can um, jimmy up the works or whatever, uh, this is a party incapable of stopping whatever Supreme Court tricks or Republican state shenanigans that might happen in this election. That's how, because again, their whole politics is premised upon, and then the Republicans will find their sense of decency. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> you know, so that's that's the only kind of threat of this election. Um, yeah, going into next week, I'd say. So the Democrats have got no fight. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or they would they, they wouldn't know how to fight, or they're congenitally, uh, or they're set up to only fight their 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 left wing. Are they you know, that's, worried about whipping up? 
too much for for Trump. All right, hold on a second. Well, this is the much, whipping up too much support. Get well, more of his base out there to actually vote. I th- all right. So in 2016, the disastrous Hillary Clinton campaign was premised upon uh, winning the suburbs. Mm. Uh, there's a famous uh, Chuck Schumer quote: "For every working class vote we lose, we'll pick up three, four in the suburbs of Pennsylvania or wherever it is." And um, that was not a convincing case. Uh, and but this time around. This looks more likely in that this kind of general sense of of disaster, chaos, unease that has seeped into kind of even even the kind of high towers of suburbia makes Joe a pretty attractive position. And of course, he's like the most right wing Democrat you could possibly conjure up. Um, But what that means is in the kind of 11th hour of this campaign, uh, like just yesterday, the Biden campaign or uh, uh, Joe did a kind of doorstep. Um, interview with a press gaggle and was asked about there's currently um, protests and unrest in Philadelphia as a result of another police shooting of an unarmed African-American man. And first words out of Joe's mouth is we must unequivocally condemn the looters. Mm. Like, that's it. Like, he's just playing to the idea that Trump is going to call him soft on Antifa. Um, Sorry, I'm doing the the Trump voice. Sorry. Apologies, everyone. Um, but that's that's their sense of like if we can convince right wing suburban conservatives that we hate the same people they hate and don't represent social. So we've had this insane spectacle of Barack Obama uh, denouncing socialists, um, Kamala, sorry, Kamala Harris going out and saying Joe is pro fracking. Come yeah, on. Yeah. You know, yeah. like every right wing issue. They're like, what are we? They're accusing us of being left-wing socialists. We hate but the left. But these centralist issues as well? I mean, the center, the center is not a core. The center is not a, like an ideology. It's not a no. position. It's just a malleable center, if yeah. you will. Right? So there's no ethical core here. And they think that by parsing, dividing, triangulating, they arrive at some sort of Goldilocks sweet spot. That is, again, premised on, and then the Republicans will find their <laughs> moral center. You know, like... Um, so it's 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 kind of it's kind of a nightmare. Um, oh, it's a nightmare. And and this is why I I mean I expect Trump to get roundly defeated if um, yeah if 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 the polls hold as as they're currently showing. But then I wow. don't expect well that yeah yeah we can talk about that. But uh, I don't expect anything to change. Right? Like there may be a transition of power. America has been premised. Upon and American centrism has been premised upon the kind of healing, redemptive process of of the vote, the transfer of power, the uh, the trappings of these noble institutions, and the Trump age has substantively meant the degrading of these institutions, or frankly, mask off. Like that's that's been the utility of Trump. Like for me, what I appreciate about this last four years is just how mask off. These noble institutions like the Supreme Court, right, which are wholly politicized, yeah. um, monstrous weapons of, like, class power, um, that's been revealed. And the Biden-Harris campaign is premised on the idea that, no, we can put Humpty Dumpty back together again or whatever and, and again, uh, make these institutions uh, full of the nobility and virtue that they're supposed to have, but we, we can't go back. There's no going back. So they're 
They want this fantasy realm to exist. It's a, it's a, it's a reactionary position, and they have nothing for this moment, which you know a left-wing uh, guy like myself would say is a socialism or barbarism moment. Hmm. But some of those institutions, while not perfect, still did the job that they were supposed to do in a way, and Trump's come in and broken them. Look at the EPA. Right. Yeah. No. So the um, the so executive power is this thing that when Obama had it was like, oh, geez, you know, wish we could use the presidency, but it's not a very powerful office. <laughs> and then Trump comes in. It's like, oh, wow, look at that. They they call it the, it's the theory of the unitary executive, which is something that Dick Cheney um, was a huge proponent of. Yes. Um, and and these are, Cheney was scarred by what happened to Nixon, which he thought of as a great injustice. Mm. The, 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 the basic premise of Nixon um, saying, well, if the president does it, it's not illegal. Um, sorry for the two impersonate. Sorry. But so, so that and, and Obama didn't stem that tide, if you will. He didn't roll that stuff back and he didn't prosecute anybody um, from eight years of W. Bush. Um, and so Trump's come and he's uh, he's doing the drones and he's doing the executive orders and he is packing the courts very effectively. Um, and so that's where we are. And of course, the Democrats come back in with a promise to not use executive power to do things like, well, I mean, you know, uh, getting rid of the filibuster, expanding the court so that, uh, you know, expanding the court. Like, come on. Well, I mean, why, why not? Why not expand the court? It's it. I mean, if you can, if you can meet the thresholds to do it. Um, but the larger things expand, the more messy they get. Uh, uh, listen, it's a political vehicle, and you yeah. have to seize it as such, and no, well, at, or the, you have to accept thirty years of, you know, that's the Gorsuch, thing that needs to change. Alito, yeah, I mean, dissolve, abolish, I mean, but then you'd have to rewrite the Constitution yeah. or abolish yeah. the Constitution, which I'm in favor of. Um, but uh, as a medium term, things like uh, expanding the court, well, can't getting you rid of the filibuster. just take the power of appointment away from the Senate and away from the White House? Not not a scholar on this, uh, not on this particular topic, uh, but I... Uh, no, no, that that would need a constitutional you know, rewrite, you, uh, yeah, amendment. But that's rewrite. fine. It's an amendment. You, that, but you might well, amendments for a reason. Yeah, but they don't. I mean, two thirds, and you've got to really. That's uh, that seems like a technocratic fix. If you're going to amend the constitution, uh, there's a lot bigger stuff yeah. you could aim for. I'd say. But one, anyway. one of the things that we're not really talking about much is the fact that it's not just race for the White House at the moment. There's mm. other things up that's grabs. right and it looks it looks like uh the house will have its uh, democratic majority expanded it looks like uh the senate will go to the democrats which would be really important to avoid uh like joe biden getting impeached um because they certainly i i, I expect i expect joe biden to get impeached in two years time in 2022 mm -hmm. if he's still living um uh <laughs> sorry i don't know is that a bad thing for me to say i don't know uh but I think you're going to see complete dysfunction. I mean, well, whatever. I mean, we've seen four years of dysfunction on top of eight years of uh, Obama both not wanting to govern and not being able to govern. You can kind of like uh, balance uh, which factor you think is more kind of determinant there. But yeah, not expecting a lot from, from Congress. Mm -hmm. uh, not, I mean, you know, like uh, by all means. 
I, I mean, I'm, I'm at this moment of... So, so, so when presidential elections happen, a lot of the left kind of gets psyched up, like, well, what does this mean for the future of the left and for social movements and for progressive change? And, and I've been, you know, prone to that game over the years because I'm interested yes. in politics and, and you want to kind of get some kind of foothold or stake and sense in the process. But what the Biden-Harris presidency is uh, the kind of fruits of is telling two of the more important kind of political movements and social forces that we've seen in the last decade to go to hell. So f- in the first instance, I'm, um, I'm talking about the, the Bernie Sanders campaign, mm-hmm. which won the first three Democratic primaries, which is something that has never happened before. Um, and uh, th- whatever, I don't want to relitigate what happened in the Democratic primary, but the Obama bat signal went up that said, oh, you got to get in behind the guy who's got no money, no campaigns in any of the battleground states and is calling 20-year-old camp uh, people questioning him, lying dog-faced pony soldiers. That's a great video if you want to look that one up. Um, But people fell in line, I think, three and a half years of the trauma of Trump and being sold the idea that, like, Putin has invaded the White House and infected his malware across. There's actually, there's an incredible clip of of Kamala Harris going on um, the Charlemagne the God uh, breakfast show saying that the Colin Kaepernick incident was all Russian bots. You know, this is a thing that, yeah, I mean, man, basically, whenever Dems go on, talk to Charlemagne, they get owned. Um, But this is the idea that there is this foreign subversive element that is taking our good system, our good institutions and making them rotten. It's not that there's a rotting them themselves. They're rotting from the inside out. So anyway, the Sanders campaign told go to hell, not even perfunctory kind of uh, pandering to his base by saying, yeah, we agree that Medicare for all is a goal we should work towards. Like, just straight no. Green New Deal, no. Uh, You know, the Green New whatever, as they call it, as Pelosi calls it. Then you've got the Black Lives Matter movement. And Joe Biden is the guy who's saying, lock up the looters, and the only person who wants to defund the police is Donald Trump. Like, that, and, and again, that's uh, more inchoate and more of a kind of social force than like a movement as such. But this is, you know, like while in lockdown, while seeing all the horrors, um, you know, the people's capacity to in unison kind of come out into the streets, demand something better, demonstrate their outrage um, was, you know, really powerful. And for me, uh, you know, you know, you hate to turn it into like a spectator sport, but like a sign that something is there in the American people that could be molded, that could be harnessed. And the Biden-Harris campaign represents telling both of those forces to, again, go to hell. So mm. that's, that's kind of why nothing will change. And it's hard for me to like feel invested in this process. Sorry to personalize it. But. No, no, personalize away, personalize away. But, I mean, there's as big a countermeasure towards Black Lives Matter as there is the Black Lives Matter movement itself, though, right? I mean, that, that's it, right. That's right. I mean, we are seeing, and again, this is the virtue of Trump, we are seeing what police unions represent. Mm. You oh, know, wow. Police. Mask off. I mean, they yeah. are... As, They're thugs. That's, as Karis one said, the police department is like a crew that does whatever it wants to do. Mm. Like, they're like a protection racket. Yeah. And actually, the police unions are like the last vestige of the state that gets anything They're to like the mafia it reminds me of like um you know when the mafia run the the, the um the waste management that's yeah, right you know that's the, right. the unions yeah, yeah 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 so 
that's been revealed, and there is, again, there's no, whatever the virtue value of this quote, like a conversation about this, but there is no conversation about this. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, look, could they, could Trump steal this? Well, there's a, some been some very interesting kind of 11th hour Supreme Court shenanigans. Mm. Uh, Brett Kavanaugh has uh, issued a kind of deciding um, vote to say that Wisconsin should not count any absentee mail-in ballots past the election day. Yeah. Because that would be unfair, which is like not... Who's that unfair on? I I don't know, like... uh, People that voted on the day? People that want to turn onto the TV and see a result or something. Like, it's sort of like it's unfair on network executives or something. I I have no idea. Like, this is sort of like... Uh, he's he's plucking kind of an imaginary constituency from the sky. Who's what legal about rights. the fourth he's, estate and their role in all of this? Man, this is this has been a really so. I'm um I'm in the media and communications department. I've uh, researched and studied the field of journalism studies and what has happened to the media. I, I Operation Mockingbird is like uh, a is, is a kind of a program we know from the CIA. Uh, in the 20th century to use the press as part of its own kind of uh, information psyop um, purposes. And I, I got to tell you, Jamie, and I, um, I've published in this area, peer-reviewed published papers, this three-and-a-half-year fascination with Russiagate was a disinformation campaign mm. perpetrated by... And I, this is, I, oh God, I, I hate saying, I hate, the, I hate how this, these words come out of my mouth and mark me as part of like a, I don't know, uh, am I a Trump apologist? Of course not. But the substance of the Steele dossier, which uh, catapulted a whole series of investigations, uh, Wall Street Journal actually just put out uh, something 48 hours ago about this crank from Cyprus, who was the key sourcing for the Steele dossier, you know, uh, claims, which are complete, complete fabrications. Yeah. And so there was a kind of pressure put upon Trump to uh, not say certain things or appear in a certain way to be undermining the position of the American foreign policy establishment, assuming somehow that we are at war with Russia, which we're not. Russia is a second-rate power. The idea mm. that um, buff Bernie memes on Facebook fundamentally determined the outcome of 2016 is 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 madness. I mean, it's been so. The fourth estate is in the trash right now. I mean, it's really it's been a shocking thing to. Basically, you've got two things happening right now: the the, the dominant interpretive lens of of Trump, of populism, of people's real visceral anger. Obviously, a lot of this is horrible, disgusting racism, etc. But it is seen as sort of like Mars attack, alien invasion. It can't be us. You know what I mean? It has to be from outside. And that's been in the last few weeks of this campaign. We've seen claims that Iranians are trying to subvert the elections. No, it's the Russians. No, it's President Xi. I mean, just and this is the liberal consensus establishment. Then they are successfully getting Twitter and Facebook to ban a New York Post story about mm. Hunter Biden, which is from the gutter, to be fair. Yeah. Um, but the Biden campaign has not rejected any of the key factual claims. And, of course, Hunter Biden is, is corrupt. And he somehow, I, I think of Hunter Biden like Kendall Roy from Succession. Um, anyway, whatever, that's fine. That's deep cut. 
uh, <laughs> a, a likable drug addict of a, of a of a uber wealthy family, and so it's been banned. That's sending Trump world totally insane. Yeah, of course. And and then diverting it and all into this kind of QAnon. Hunter China QAnon space. Oh. So this is this is the contours of American politics for the next four years. Either it's Iranian, Chinese, Russian, or people feeling it's some kind of Q demonic thing. So um, where does the left fit into all that? It doesn't. Uh, no. you, you know? <sighs> Sorry, I got through a lot there, Jamie. That's great. It's good to get it off my chest. Yeah, well, I'm glad you're getting it off your chest. I mean, there's so much more to get off the chest, uh, and, and there's so much. Uh, more places to go, but we've run out of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, yeah. Was that was three questions? <laughs> I don't even know if I asked the question. Oh, um, no, but that's perfect. But um, if, if the polls hold, I, d- I mean, I do think this is the funniest thing. We're going to see, uh, I don't know, 370 electoral college votes to Biden. I mean, it's, it's. But what happens if Biden wins? Is will there be a transfer of power? Oh uh, well, not just that. Will there be civil war? <laughs> I think. Civil war is more likely in uh, a Trump uh, presidency, a Trump, Trump second term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I do, n- I do not see that. I mean, the Trumps, Trumps armies are weak. Um, I think there are a lot of suburban paper tigers, and I think there are a lot of of weird enclaves like Eastern Washington or wherever th- some of these places where m- militia are are powerful and control local sheriff's office, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but uh, I do not think that the St. Louis gun couple are going to charge the barricades yeah. or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, th- there's a lot of kind of paper tiger stuff going on here, and but things will be insane. Um, for and and listen, the lockdown protests were sort of like a good test run for the kind of things that you might do to disenfranchise if. A couple of states like Wisconsin and Pennsylvania gum up the works and things tighten up uh, and are a lot closer than we expect and lockdown, anti-lockdown militias come out in force, et cetera, et cetera. You could see a cascading set of events that gets very weird very quickly. But uh, Trump does not command the loyalty of whatever, you know, the American deep state or the generals or any of this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Trump's own kind of interior core are, they're just all, like him, a bunch of hustlers, conniving, self-interested. They're not going to be in the bunker with Hitler, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I don't anticipate that. But you know, Gavin. Where's America in 10 years? Uh, uh, I mean, where where are any of us in 10 years? My God. Like, these are... Um, I mean, are we actually seeing the crumbling of the empire? Well, the empire, yeah, this is, is this the, is the economy, very, this is is the very economy dangerous. Is the going to hold? Well, this is the weird thing: is that the economy has levitated above the people, um, and you know, I just saw a statistic yesterday that Jeff Bezos could give 110,000 U.S. dollars to every one of his employees and have the same amount of wealth he did pre-COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I. <laughs> so we see. I don't know. So, <laughs> so we bad. see. We see. It's bad folks. Yeah, I mean. The gap's just going to get bigger, right? Yeah, you would hope some kind, some form of uh, insurgent political identity could, but that could be QAnon. <laughs> you know, um, although QAnon is premised upon a military coup as the kind of real rain that will wash all the scum off the streets. So, I, I, I really don't know, but it's it's really broken. It's very sad. Um, I think back to. 
this moment of glee I had in March when Bernie Sanders wiped the floor with the Democratic field in the Nevada caucus. Mm-hmm. And uh, Chris Matthews, is a famous MSNBC correspondent, said that it was like when Paris fell to the Nazis. <laughs> I mean, like, these are the ruling class. This is how they think. Um, Amazing. And um, I don't know how we get past that, but it's time for some thinking and some reflection. And are you coming back on Tuesday? Oh, are we going to do a live thing? I don't know. Maybe no, 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 no. We're not going to do the election, but we'll have another quick chat yeah, so we can cover. There's a few more things we can have to cover. We haven't talked about QAnon. Oh my God. We haven't talked much about Black Lives Matter. Yeah. At your service, Jimmy All right. Green. All right. Um, well, hey, thank you. Uh, pleasure having you in as always, Olivier Jutel. Um And have yourself a wonderful day. And that was a Radio One ninety one FM podcast. But find more at r1.co.nz.